ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Yeah, the way Baz and I see the game, it's quite similar really. You know, it's just a game. It's there to go on out there, have fun, give it a crack. Um, but there's no point getting overly nervous or worried about results. And Yeah, you, you want to finish your career with no re- regrets. You want to look back at the big series like an Ashes series and say, oh, yeah, I gave that a real decent crack. And, yeah, I think you've seen that with the group over the last couple of years. That's Pat Cummins not staring down the opposition but smiling them down. The men's ashes is upon us and we have an abiding sense of gratitude. You know who else would be feeling thankful today? Port Adelaide fans. The power is surging. New South Wales Origin fans might be feeling less optimistic given Luttrell is out for game two. We're going to conjure some optimism from the despair, or at least try to. All of that is coming your way along with a taste of round ball and sound bites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Okay, Ashes series is cricketing Christmas and there are no more sleeps. We are kind of out of things to say and by the time many of our audience hear this podcast, the game might have started. So any analysis or commentary might date, but we know all sports fans are fixated on the opening test at Edgebaston. And it made me think, why are we particularly dialed into this series? I reckon there's a bit of an acknowledgement that cricket globally is changing rapidly as T20 becomes increasingly dominant. And one thing you can't manufacture in sport is history because it just takes time. The Ashes is always special, but more so when you have two teams trying to simultaneously win and win in a manner that might define their cricketing identity. For England, basball. For Australia, nice guy, but tough. So let's enjoy it. Catch Jim Maxwell and the BBC team on the Listen app for the best commentary going on the best series going. Just look for the big red cricket ball. Ben Cameron is one half of Corbin and Ben. You can catch them on the Best of ABC podcast channel. You'll also hear him calling AFL. That's on the ABC Listen app. Ben, you are based in Melbourne these days, but you've worked in Perth and Adelaide. You understand the significance of success of a team in a two-team town. Port Adelaide's comeback victory over reigning Premier's Geelong overnight sees them win 11 straight. Can you give me your take on how this team's gone from having a coach under serious pressure inside three rounds to Premiership contenders? Well, it's incredible to reflect on, isn't it, Stacky? I mean, when it was 10 in a row last week, I thought from untenable to 10 in a row, now it's 11 in a row for Port Adelaide. Josh Franco, who's a part of our coverage, said... Talk about, are they the real deal? Absolutely they are. I wouldn't back against them if the grand final was tomorrow. They had a seven-goal unanswered run in the third term, and they finished with four unanswered in the last to run out 38-point winners. All of this comes amongst the backdrop, of course, of Ken Hinckley's contract. Uh, both he and the club before the season said, look, let's wait until August. I must admit, I think that's a little bit of a bizarre date to wait to because what do you really find out in August? But what I'm reflecting on more than anything, Stacky, is right back to round four. Ollie Florent with the chance to win it for Sydney. And there's a breath of God that seemingly comes through the SCG. I think it's touched on the line. It's Review. touched on the line. Port of one. Port have won. The Florin kick did not make the distance. And instead of Port Adelaide being one and three with an out-of-contract coach, they're two and two. And from that point on, uh, they moved to a uh, an 11-game winning streak. Uh, it's phenomenal the way their season has turned around. In contrast, the Cats are sitting outside the eight. The reigning Premier's looking wobbly. How bad is it for Geelong? Oh, it's bad. I think the, the Premiership defence might as well be over. I mean, it's not officially over, but... 
uh, I think we can we can say as much. So six and seven on the season. I think these cats have used up too many of their lives uh, this time around. They needed to win last night to springboard into the, the second half of the season. Let's look ahead to the weekend action. I'm fixated on Gold Coast Carlton. What kind mm. of implications could we see from a Blues defeat? Well, I think I see this a little differently to, to everyone else. I think a lot of people say, look, if, if Gold Coast come to town and, and beat Carlton, boy, that will spell bad news for the Blues and potentially Michael Voss. We did an interview last week. Brian Cook basically said... No, Michael Voss's uh, future with us is, is a three-year contract and he will be with us until at least the end of next year. He will coach round one next season? Absolutely. I think the more interesting point is the Gold Coast Suns. If they can't come to Melbourne and beat Carlton, like everyone else is, everyone's beating the Blues at the moment, then they won't play finals. If they win, they'll be in the eight. And all of a sudden, their coach, Stewie Jew, who's been under a lot of pressure, he'll be a real, real chance of playing finals or leading the team to finals for the first time in their existence and potentially keeping his job. So I actually think this game exists more through a Gold Coast Suns prism than the, the, the Blues prism. That's what I like about you, Benny. You'll take us down a new angle. So with that in mind, look into the melting pot that is Richmond and St Kilda and tell me what interests you about it. Yeah, so Trent Cotchin is what really interests me about this game. So he becomes the sixth Tiger to 300 games. So he joins Kevin Bartlett, Jack Rewalt, Jack Dyer, Captain Blood, Shane Edwards and Francis Burke. So some pretty famous names. I think what is really interesting about Trent Cotchin is he's a three-time premiership captain. I'm not sure he's celebrated the same way that we celebrate the other triple premiership captains since the turn of the century. So Michael Voss, who we've spoken about with Carlton, what he did at Brisbane as a captain, leading them to three successive flags, and then Luke Hodge as well as a three-time premiership captain. I'm not sure for whatever reason a guy who is considered a Brownlow medalist uh, under the unique circumstances surrounding Joe Watson, an All-Australian midfielder, and then a three-time premiership captain, that he doesn't receive the same reverence from the footballing public and media that those two gentlemen, Hodge and, uh, and Voss, do. I think he's a really interesting dynamic. You can catch every game live on the ABC Listen app this weekend. Ben Cameron, thanks for your time. Pleasure, Stacky. Anytime. Quick hit of the beautiful game for you because the Socceroos took on Argentina at the Workers' Stadium in Beijing overnight and it looked like hard work. As Lionel Messi and a number of his World Cup winning teammates picked apart the Australians in front of 68,000 Chinese fans clad in the blue and white of Argentina. It was quite an odd scene. Messi might be in the twilight of his career, evidenced by the fact he has quit Paris Saint-Germain to almost certainly take up a role with Inter Miami in the United States. Despite this fact, the 35-year-old needed just 79 seconds to score. Graham Arnold's mantra has been to keep the ball when you get it. Don't give away cheap possession. Let's see if his charges heed those words. A little stumble, and there is no whistle. And Argentina will continue. It's Leo Messi! Oh! That's why he's the best player in the world. That was the fastest goal of his career. Regular listeners of this podcast would be familiar with football correspondent Daniel Garb's prediction that left-sided defender Jordan Boss is set for capital letters big things, and he could have easily had an assist for the Socceroos when he delivered a lovely cross for Mitchell Duke, but the striker didn't quite put it away. There's Boss. It's a handy ball in. It's a really good save by Emi Martinez, which preserves Argentina's lead and denies Mitch Duke, who acknowledges the quality of the delivery.
Ultimately, the Aussies lost 2-0, but the worst defence at the ground was the venue security, who watched on as a young fan in a messy shirt, ran onto the field and hugged the playmaker before leading security on a merry dance around the ground. As for the Socceroos, they'll next play England at Wembley Stadium. Emma Lawrence is part of the Channel 9 NRL team. Emma, got to talk with Trell Mitchell today. He's out of Origin 2. There is much negativity around this, but is it not an opportunity for the Blues in the sense that with everyone writing them off, they could maybe, I don't know, do a Queensland impression? Perhaps, but look, everyone naturally, as soon as you heard that news, I was sitting in the newsroom and everyone just put their head in their hands and thought, oh, no, that's the end for New South Wales. But... You're right, no one expects New South Wales to win. No one did already, but especially with Latrell Mitchell out, there's no Nathan Cleary going up to Suncorp Stadium where it's just going to be a sea of maroon. It could possibly be one of the greatest victories in New South Wales history if they manage to pull it off. So I'm sure they're looking at it as an opportunity rather than the fact that, you know, the world is against them. But, look, I'm just happy that we know a bit earlier in the week because all we would have been asking every single day going to their media conferences is, how's Latrell looking? So at least that's dead and buried, I think. And for them, they, they know early and they can focus. So will be an interesting five or six days as we count down to game two. As we flick our attention over to Clubland for the weekend action, I'm drawn to 8th versus ninth as Manly take on Parramatta, but it's really the clash of the Arthurs, isn't it? I love this. Look, there's no Dylan Brown for the Eels. There's no Mitchell Moses because he's been called into origin. Usually, young Jake Arthur would have been given an opportunity, but only a few weeks ago, he made the switch across to Manly and now finds himself coming up against his dad and the Eels coach, Brad Arthur, which is a great story and... Look, usually Brad hated talking about Jake and there were always claims of nepotism when he was coming off the bench and it was so great to see him yesterday really relaxed and joking about Jake and he said in a a definitely joking manner said, oh, we're going to come and bash him and it was just great to see that and like a weight had been lifted off his shoulders. He doesn't have to be the father anymore and it will be interesting. Come over for dinner on Tuesday night and just fired off a sneaky question and um, he was quick to reply and he's quite cheeky about it. And his reply was, um, oh, Baldy's rattled. This is definitely one of the picks of the round, that's for sure. Canterbury was always going to be the underdogs against Cronulla, I think, but there's a little origin tinge to this. How significant is the loss of Matt Burton, who has been called into the Blues as cover for that Latrell injury, and as well the Nico Hines factor? Yeah, I think, I think Nico is going to be fired up for a big one because, look, he was devastated after Origin 1. He only got 10 minutes of game time. Uh, Missed a crucial tackle at the end, but really hard situation, really, really hard, playing in the centres out of position. Probably didn't have a great game last week against the Storm, and I'm sure he would admit that, which was really his final audition for the Blues, and then he's missed out this time. So I think Nico at home as well, Sunday afternoon at Shark Park, will really be up for a big one. And look, the Doggies have been struggling, and look, it doesn't help without... Um, They're number seven as well with Matt Burton gone. So I'd be tipping the Sharks for this one and, and hopefully a big one from Nico. Emma Lawrence, we're looking forward to the weekend action. Thanks so much for helping us get across it. No worries. Enjoy. Time for sound bites. You probably saw Denver beat Miami to win the NBA title this week. Nikola Jokic won the finals MVP award. So you'd think he might be fired up to celebrate. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. I need to go home. Okay.
bit flat there, but the good people of Denver appeared to change his attitude. Okay, 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 okay. Thank you, thank you, though. Uh, you know that I, I told that uh, I don't want to stay on parade, but I want to stay on parade. This is the best. It looks like he's having a nice time. And it wasn't even the wildest celebration from an athlete this week. That prize goes to Man City star Jack Grealish, who sent it for the Sky Blues after winning the Champions League by knocking over Inter Milan. Just basically, for the past 24 hours, I've had the best day and night, to be fair. I don't think I've slept. It took about 24 hours for him to get out of his playing kit, at which point teammates put him in a high-vis vest to ensure he did not get lost. And if you think Grealish is excited, you should see the Rubik's Cube fans after 21-year-old Max Park broke the world record. Yes! He solved that in 3.13 seconds. Cubers everywhere are frothing. Park's story is pretty cool. He was diagnosed with autism, age two, and his parents thought, hey, puzzles like Rubik's Cubes could be an outlet and help him develop social skills. Next minute, world champion, world record holder. Cool stuff. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to ABC Denver, Paramount Plus, Goal and Max Park's Twitter for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.